We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. We have got a fun episode for the people. Let the people know what we are talking about today. All right, so we got two topics for you. One, we have uh, some of the latest news going around about the Pacers being very interested in Brandon Miller. Now, with that, obviously, the Pacers would have to trade up to be able to get to, is it pick two? Is it pick three? I don't know yet. That'll be determined more on draft night. But to hear that the Pacers have a lot of interest in Brandon Miller is very exciting and then we also have nba prospect uh 610 big man out of dayton deron holmes coming on the show we're going to get to hear all about how the offseason has been for him as he gets ready for the nba draft and much much more but we're going to let deron tell you the rest yeah so deron holmes will have that interview for you guys in the second segment of today's show but to start things off Rafael Barlow does a great job covering the NBA for NBA Big Board, took over for Chad Ford. I'm sure you guys remember Chad Ford a lot from ESPN. Uh, he started working with Locked On uh, Sports Network, and he decided he was going to be done and just retire. And, and he gave everything that he had in terms of his website, URL, that kind of stuff, to Rafael last year. And so Rafael, very good international scout, but he also has really picked up his you know United States scouting as well. And so... Raphael's been all over this, and he had an excellent article out today on his Substack. If you're not subscribed, you should do that. But, Fachi, I put this uh, quote out on Twitter, but go ahead and read to everybody what this quote was from the article. It said, Indiana is believed to be the team most interested in making a deal to select Brandon Miller, but it's unknown at this point who they're willing to give up in addition to the number seven pick in a deal with Charlotte or Portland. Yeah, so th- this is where I think People got really upset, which we knew was going to happen when Bob Kravitz came on our last episode and talked about trading miles. Now, I will say this. If the Pacers are very serious about moving up from seven to get Brandon Miller, 
the only player that really does make sense in a trade to be a starting package type of thing is Miles. So that is where you do have a tough conversation there, especially if you're big Miles fans and you're like, well, we just got him to an extension. He's been loyal. It's like, yeah, I get all that. I totally get all that. But if you really think Brandon Miller is the guy and you want to make a trade, Miles is your best trade asset in terms of a win-now player on this roster, aside from Tyrese Halliburton. And you're not giving up Tyrese, obviously. So before we get into trade ideas and all that fun jazz, Faji, let's talk about the hypothetical idea of trading up to grab Brandon Miller, because this is a very unique situation for the Pacers. We talked about this ad nauseum last year. Should the Pacers trade up to get Jaden Ivey? Well, obviously they did not. The Kings were asking for, you know, no pun intended, but a King's ransom for that pick. And I just feel like based on Raphael's reporting, which I put in in a tweet below that Charlotte is uh, additionally, Charlotte is open to trading back. So, This is where I think you could have a trade partner, and we already know that Portland is very aggressively looking to move that trade to add veteran help. So let's just talk about why the Pacers should be eager, Fachi, to move up to get a guy like Brandon Miller. The Pacers have been searching for a guy like Brandon Miller ever since Paul George left town. And those type of players, they don't grow on trees. To to be able to fill in that three spot, that true wing, it's so hard to do in the NBA and a guy like Brandon Miller separates himself from every other forward in this draft. I mean, it, depending on what you consider a Victor Wembanyama, but in terms of like a wing, Brandon Miller, no doubt about it, is the top wing in this draft. And I just, this is a guy that for most of the year seemed like he could be the number two overall pick uh, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, number two or three, depending on, you know, if if you need a guard or not. Um, And I feel like there's, reason to be very intrigued if you are the Pacers because you look at this roster you have things figured out at point guard you put Benedict Matherin at the two okay great you got that figured out there's still what are you going to do at the three or the four and that is exactly where Brandon Miller could come in and I I gotta be honest I'm very intrigued and -hmm. with the Pacers possessing the seventh overall pick it's it's not like it's that crazy to imagine but it won't be easy I think we had to look at a couple of things here. Kevin Pritchard said at his end of season presser that, you know, even going back to last year at the uh, beginning of the season, he said, you know, we acquired a few picks in the offseason. I want to acquire even more. He talked about that at the beginning of the season last year. Now when the season's over, he talked about how aggressive they were offering multiple picks for players at the trade deadline. And unfortunately nothing happened with those trades. So, That, to me, he kind of put it out there, like letting you know, hey, I'm open for business, right? And then after the draft lottery, they ask him again. And he reiterated, we're not taking 7, 26, 29, 32, and 55. We're not taking all these players. We're going to trade those picks. We want to do something with those picks. And he said that he wants to be aggressive. Chad Buchanan comes on our podcast. He didn't say, we're going to aggressively look to trade up. He didn't say that. But what he did say was, yeah, we have three franchise-changing players, more than likely. He said there's a couple guys at the top that are franchise-changing, and then everybody else is really more good role players. And you can read that that whichever way you want, but it's been pretty obvious from almost everybody covering this draft that there is a top three consensus. Victor Wimbanyama, Scoot Henderson, and Brandon Miller. Look, I don't know why the Hornets would trade back from two to seven. That, to me... It's just crazy because I think Charlotte's a little bit delusional with where they're at. They, they, 
they've got LaMelo Ball. They're probably thinking, we don't need another guard. Uh, we got LaMelo, so we don't need Scoot. And then they're probably thinking to themselves, well, we got Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, so where where does Brandon Miller fit in with this? We need another guard, and maybe they feel like, oh, we can trade back, get a Sar Thompson, something like that, but we can't take him at two because that's too soon. So I just feel like if I, I'm looking at this and I'm hearing everything being said, to me it just makes sense that the Pacers really want to get into the top three. And and Brandon Miller is the only guy that makes sense based on what's going to happen because we know Wimbanyama is not getting – uh, that pick is never available. So it's too not at all. And why do you need Scoot Henderson when you have so many guards already on this team? They need a wing, like you said, Fachi. And Shamsharani did a six-minute interview with Brandon Miller on his stadium show. And Brandon Miller talked about he basically watched Pacers Paul George growing up and modeled his game after him with a mix of his own – put his own twist on it. And what I loved about that is that he said – I like Indiana Pacers PG. PG-13 is nice. This era of PG is nice. But I like 360 windmill prime PG. That means he was paying attention to the Pacers back in the day, 10 years ago, whatever it was. And that just gets me excited thinking about, hey, this guy loves basketball that much that he was watching the Pacers play. And when you see number 24 on him with the build that he has, it just looks identical almost in terms of like how they move. So I- I'm fired up, Vachi. I really am. Alex, you're getting me all of my feelings over here because (laughs) how could you not get very excited about that of just knowing like, hey, you know, there are similarities there. And a player like Brandon Miller, it's been what the Pacers have been looking for for years now. They're they're hard to come by. And I think that, one, I think the Pacers should be very intrigued because there is a big cutoff after pick three. There really is where you start to, you know, we've, we've looked at this, the history of pick seven, very mixed bag. But when you, when you start to you know enter into that top three, it's a whole different game. And I think if you are Charlotte, you should be keeping the phone lines open because they're in a spot where they need a lot of help. So why not take calls to see what the best offer is out there? Um, and I think for Portland, we know what their intentions are. Portland wants to win now. Charlotte, they're not saying that. Charlotte has options. They have numerous holes to fill Look, moving from two to seven, is it a big drop-off? Yeah, it it is. But it's not this astronomical type of drop-off because the Pacers then could include younger players that could fit their timeline. Additional picks compared to Portland that is kind of having their hand forced a little bit by Dame to say, we need to get the best available player now. And Mm -hmm. that's where it's really hard for the Pacers to come up with that type of package that could fill their needs, unless you are bringing in a third team or, yeah, I don't even want to say, dare I say a fourth team, because that's where things get a little wild. I mean, we've seen pretty big trades happen at the draft. I mean, just two years ago, the Pacers were involved in like a six-team trade that got them Isaiah Jackson. So, you know, I'm just expanding. I'm just saying it was just crazy, right? So you never know what can happen. And I think one thing that Chad Buchanan said that I'm just thinking about now, and it just hit me, he talked about, when I ask him, you know, how are you going to build this team? What should our expectations be for how you build this team? He said, well, whatever is available to us is how we're going to build this team. And when we talked to Bob Kravitz yesterday, I was very adamant, like, this is year two of the rebuild. We got to make sure we do not jump, you know, uh, we don't want to jump ahead of ourselves too much here and build a roster that's going to be maybe a, a first round playoff win, but can't get out of the second round. And now we're looking like a tough out once again. So 
I don't want to go down that path, but I'm just thinking in my head because look, if Brandon Miller, I, I'm not, it's really hard to project players, but if you believe in Brandon Miller the way I believe in him and you're the pace of front office, you have to take a swing like this. I would be much happier seeing them take a swing on a guy like this and falling flat on their face and striking out than to continue to just add role players to this roster around Tyrese Halliburton. But we already know Tyrese makes everybody better. And that's why I don't fear that if you do trade up and give up a lot of assets to acquire this type of talent, that you're going to get this major fall off. You're going to get this bust. I've seen a lot of you know pushback on what I tweeted out today from Pacer fans. There's a lot of people excited, but there are a handful that are not very excited about this conversation. And I think one thing people are overlooking is like, oh, we're going to bring in another Steven Jackson, Jamal Tinsley because of the, the, the legal stuff that happened. And I get that. Trust me, I totally am sensitive to what you're saying. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but because there was no legal action taken when this whole thing happened in college, there's already been reports saying that it won't impact what happens in the NBA because he was never convicted of anything. So while it doesn't look good and there was some weird stuff that happened and very immature stuff that happened in their games, I just feel like at the end of the day, who has better intel than us? That's the front office. That's like the decision makers for the NBA and for the Pacers. And they wouldn't be aggressively going after somebody that they thought would be a problem maker or a troublemaker for this team. So I would put my trust in the front office to be able to judge character correctly because I feel like they've done a pretty good job of that more recently. Yeah, no, they, they definitely have. I think that it has been quite a while since, you know, I don't know, the days of the brawl or, you know, the, 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 everything that you mentioned with Steven Jackson, Jamal Tinsley, that's been quite some time. But I also do think that, you know, in a different stance, the Pacers have tossed around the word aggressive a lot. They've tried, whether it was going after Aiton, whether it was, you know, offers at the trade deadline, they've been unsuccessful, but we can't say that they haven't been trying. Mm -hmm. I think the Pacers have that serious itch to make a big move, but this is the type of move that's big that doesn't necessarily change your timeline on winning. If you were to go after a more established star player and push the chips in, yes, now your timeline has very much changed. Mm -hmm. You add a young player, a young stud in a Brandon Miller, you're still staying the course, but you're obviously speeding up. You know, the, the rebuild has now it's uh, taken a step forward without it saying, hey, the Indiana Pacers better make a run within the next year or two. Otherwise, this trade didn't pay off. Say, for instance, maybe a guy like an OG having one year left on his yeah. deal or anything of that sort. Gives you room to grow. And that's what's yes. beautiful about this. And I think you think about it, Ben Matherin in year two, Nimhart in year two, Tyrese in year four. Yep. And Brandon Miller on a rookie year, this is a core right here. This is establishing a core because they already told us they only know that they have two guys probably part of their core long term locked up because Turner's only got two years left. And and that to me is like people are so worried about Miles leaving. Look, I'm not saying I want to trade Miles, but I'm saying if it gets me Brandon Miller for the next seven to nine years, I think I have to really just say, okay, I'm going to part with a guy that I really like for this situation. And I think one thing you have to look at too you can find another center. It's not like center is the hardest position to figure out. Yes, the defense is going to get worse without Miles, but of course we know that. But I think that at the same time, you can get a guy in here to, in year three, when Tyrese is in year seven and Brandon Miller's in year three, Paul George kind of broke out year two, year, uh, year, two, year three. 
So now you're talking about Tyrese in his prime with an up-and-coming Matherin and Brandon Miller. This is a team that's going to be a force in the Eastern Conference for a long time. I mean, honestly, it can be very similar to what Boston did with Brown and Tatum and getting the right pieces around them. And then, to me personally, I think Halliburton can – you can make the case in three to four years that Halliburton might be the best point guard in the NBA. I'm just saying, oh, like – yes, you can. Oh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, that, mm-hmm. you've, got, you've got that position already solidified. So, to me, this is why the Pacers have to be super aggressive. And I'm with Bob Kravitz from yesterday. I want to see Portland Trailblazers' Bob uh, uh, Kevin Pritchard. I don't want to see this Indiana Pacers version of Kevin Pritchard that just kind of, you know, makes these subtle moves every once in a while. The biggest deal he ever made was the Halliburton Sabonis deal, but of course Pacers. But like even the Paul Georgia, like that was like back against the wall. Make this deal because Paul wants out. I mean, I want to see them go out there and get it. So do I. I mean, I, I really do. When you look at a player like Brandon Miller, the fact that he can be a franchise player. When you already have a franchise player in Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin, who could be franchise-esque one day, it's when was the last time or when have the Pacers ever had debatably three franchise players on a team? That just Mm -hmm. does not happen. So this would be a special opportunity. And if the Pacers are to push the chips in, I'm on board with this move right here. Yeah, so let me just throw out a quick trade for you here. I don't know if you have any trades or not, but the one from Charlotte, I think we probably will have a similar trade Probably with Charlotte. I think that there's two players you can look at in terms of salary and what you need to take back. Gordon Hayward probably is the more favorable one because it's $30 million on an expiring contract. You also have Terry Rozier, who's making $23.5 million for the next three years, so you're taking on a lot of money to take this back. So one of those two players plus pick two is coming back to the Pacers. You're giving up Miles Turner. You're giving up pick seven. I think you have to give up a 2024 unprotected first-round pick to make this deal happen. And then you're looking at one of Neesmith or Duarte to Charlotte. That, to me, is the deal that I think probably makes the most sense in terms of a one-team-for-one-team trade. I think that that deal makes a lot of sense. Is it enough for Charlotte? Now, I got a deal that I think it's great to start with your deal. And then my fear is that this is what might have to be on the table. So the Pacers are taking back Gordon Hayward. They're getting picked too. Uh, In this deal, the Pacers are sending out Miles Turner. Unfortunately, Andrew Nemhard. You might have to sprinkle in a little bit of Chris Duarte. We'll see. Uh, Pick seven, next year's first, is unprotected. It has to be when you're giving up, you know, when you're trying to get picked two. And then if they are interested in, in 26 or 29, you got to include that. Um, given I don't think if you have to do that. I, I don't think you have to. That's like, a, hey, if we're like, if they're hesitant, it's like, do you really want pick 26 too? And it's like, all right, we can get that done. Well, now, the I'm, only thing I was, what do you got? No, I'm just saying, like, look, just go back to what we talked about last year with Luca and, and Trey, that whole trade that happened. Luca was drafted third, right? And then the Mavs traded five for, for three. And it's only two spots, but they gave up an unprotected the next year without anything else included. So it was just two picks for one, basically. I, mm-hmm. I think that if you look at it this way, yeah, you're moving from seven to two, which is five spots, but you're giving difference. them you're giving them a starting center. You're giving you an are. unprotected pick from last year. And in your situation, you're giving up uh Nimhard. In my situation, you're giving up a lottery pick from a couple of years ago in Neesmith or Duarte. So to me, it's like I don't think you have to give up three picks that are like future picks well were you saying 26 in terms of like number 26 or were you saying like a 2026 i think that's what i was thinking you were saying 
Oh no, I'm talking about pick 26. Okay. Yeah, I am not talking about a 2026 pick. That's gotcha. off the table. That's way too much. Uh, I don't think they would. While we very much enjoy Aaron Neesmith, I don't think that that's like a oh man, you know, we could really, you know, we need no, that. But, so yeah, I think we can get away with if we don't have to include pick 26 or pick 29. If they don't want, it, sure, whatever. That doesn't have to be in there. Dorte, we want to find him a new home. Turner has to be in the deal. The uh, the pick seven's got to be in there. The unprotected first for next year has to be in there. Mm-hmm. I think Nemhard is what really sweetens it because Charlotte, they ain't playing any defense. To be able to get a young guard under contract, it would very much help. And then my hope was if we could at this point, if we're giving up Turner, could you at least toss us Kai Jones? You know, I don't because want Kai look, Jones. No. I, I, look, it was just a young center because no. they're not going to give up Mark Williams. I'd rather know, grab so. Deron Holmes. I'm, I'm serious. Okay. I'm well, not I'm I mean, out on Kai Jones. I was never a fan. me, Deron Holmes. Yes, I would much rather do that. Absolutely. Well, all I'm saying is like, I don't know if you have to give up as much as you're saying, but okay. I, I definitely think that there's a, a talking point here. The big thing with Hayward, he's an expiring. So yes. that does help the Pacers in terms of like they could move off of him as well. Um, they would still have their flexibility cap space wise. So to me, that does make sense. One of the things I keep looking at is Steve Clifford is a defensive minded coach. So if you're looking at their roster, LaMelo Ball, not a defensive player, but if no. you have Miles anchoring it, Miles Bridges coming back, PJ Washington out there at the four, now you're just missing your two. Your two could be a Sar Thompson if you take him at seven. And that could be the start of what they probably feel pretty good about. So I just think that does make sense. Now I'm going to throw this at you real quick before we bring on to Ron Holmes, because I think with Portland, there is like a a decent trade you could probably do like just, just between Pacers and Indiana. I think it's once again, miles and pick seven with Duarte probably or Neesmith go into Portland and you're taking back Nurkic and pick number three in that deal. And I think that that could make some sense because Nurkic has three years left, 16 million and is not a very great basketball player. You get an upgrade at at Turner with Turner at the center position. You only move back four spots and now you can still probably trade pick seven with an Anthony Simons to continue to add players. And maybe you could even trade seven and Anthony Simons to a team like Toronto for OG and Anobi. And now you're talking about a Portland team that might have a little bit more up their sleeve because they're moving back, but they're also getting an asset by doing it, and they're getting another big trade asset And in terms of that pick number seven. If there's that second move, then obviously, yes, it makes a, a lot because I do think if they walked away by trading, you know, pick three and they moved down to seven and they got Turner, and is that really the, the move that's going to get Portland across the finish line? I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I would like to do your deal. I just don't think that's enough for Portland where you might have to rope a third team in. But if there's that secondary deal that you mentioned, yes, then all of a sudden Portland's walking away with a great offseason of a bunch of upgrades. Um, but, you know, that remains to be seen. I think they're going to want to hear everyone's offer, and that'll come down, I think, right until the buzzer on draft night. Let me throw a three-team trade out to you, and I'll throw a four-team at you real quick before we get off here. Three-team trade, Nurkic, Little, number three, and number 23 to Indiana. Miles and Buddy go to Phoenix. Aiton. Number seven, number 26, and campaign go to Portland. It's intriguing. So eight and seven campaign go to uh, and 26. And 26. You can give them 29 too. That way uh, you're tra- you're basically trading seven, 26, and 29 for three and 23. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like the deal for us. I'm wondering what the view is with DeAndre Ayton at this time when in the playoffs it looked a little bit rough and that contract yeah. uh, is a little bit scary right now. They were talking about, there was rumors out there saying that Portland had interest in Ayton. I, I did so, hear that. Yeah. I did hear that. So the four-team one, which I actually think makes a lot of sense, but it's just really loaded. So hear me out. Portland gets OG and DeAndre Ayton. Phoenix gets Miles Turner, Thad Young, and pick 13 from Toronto. Toronto gets Anthony Simons, pick number seven from the Pacers, and pick 26 from the Pacers. Indiana takes on Nurkic, Nasir Little, and pick number two. I think I like that deal because yeah, I, I it makes think, the most sense to me. Yeah, I, I think that one makes the most sense for every team. I think if you're Toronto, you're getting a little bit of a fresh start over here. I think for the Pacers, you're obviously getting a killer pick. And then obviously, you know, for, um, you said uh, it was uh, was it Portland or no? It was Charlotte, right? No, Portland two Phoenix. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I'm in three. Sorry. Yeah. Three. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm in three. That's what I was gonna say. Sorry, mm-hmm. I, I typed it wrong when I sent it. Uh, when I saved it, but yeah. So Nurkic, Little, and pick three. You get Brandon Miller. You get your center that can like be a stopgap for a couple of years. You get Anthony Simons goes to Toronto. They need some guards because who knows what's gonna happen there with their two guard positions. They also get pick seven and pick twenty six. And then Phoenix, they get Miles Turner, Thad Young, who could be a rotational piece for him. He's an expiring $8 million contract. And they get pick 13. So this gives Phoenix a chance to really showcase an opportunity here to add a young player at 13. Yeah, I think that's a pretty well-rounded trade all over. Uh, So I think that one makes the most sense without having – you know, anyone saying, hey, you know what? I don't think that's enough for them mm-hmm. because we know Phoenix doesn't have any picks moving forward. Yeah. I think Turner at this point, I don't know, maybe last year they weren't that interested. They should be far more interested this time around because yeah. they could use some defensive help. And obviously the contract is going to be far more appealing for them to be able to make moves in the future compared to Aiton's deal right now. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a much harder thing to find a deal with Portland just because You've got Miles, and even if you gave him Nimhard with pick seven to move to pick three, like I just don't know if that moves the needle in terms of like what else could be out there for Portland and what they're looking for to win now. But I think Charlotte, they're just a weird team, and I think that it could make sense for them to be like, okay, we've always liked Miles. Now we got our center. We got Mark Williams underneath him for the next two years. They could figure things out, get their guy at seven if they don't feel like there's much of a drop-off in terms of what they want, especially if they don't want Scoot. I just feel like there's more optionality there with the Hornets and a and a one for one trade in terms of two teams instead of trying to find four teams to come together and put their heads together and make it all work because I think it does work for everybody, but it's easy to do that on paper. Yeah, no, it is. A four team trade is like, in my opinion, it's always like something that you do in like 2K or something. It's just yeah. so hard to really get across the finish line, especially when we had Chad on. He was talking about some of these trades could take months. They could mm-hmm. take weeks. So being able to get four teams to come together potentially on draft night or just before, that's a tall task. Yeah, and you never know. The picks could be selected by the teams at the moment. And then in July, the trade happens. You know, when we've seen it happen before. So uh, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll have on our guest, Deron Holmes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform 
with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, we now welcome on the pride of the Dade Flyers, 6'10", sophomore, Deron Holmes. Deron, how you doing? How you guys doing? I'm doing well. All right, I'm happy to have you here. And I know it's got to be an extremely busy time for you, but I thought... You know, you're fresh off your sophomore season. You averaged 18 and a half points per game, eight boards, two blocks, 60% shooting. It was good enough for first team all Atlantic. Uh, you know, quite a few other accolades, but look, you know, it's a laundry list of your accomplishments. However, what do you feel you improved upon most from your freshman year to your sophomore year? I feel I improved upon the most, like, just getting bigger and stronger. Um, that's the first thing. And then being more of a leader. You know, those are the two things I feel like um, I approved upon most like throughout those two years. Yeah, that's great stuff. I mean, obviously taking on a leadership role, not everybody is designed to be a leader. And I think that's great to hear that you've taken on those leadership roles. And I'm curious, you know, coming into the NBA, it's going to be a, a different challenge because you go from, you know, top guy on your team to a guy that's trying to prove that he belongs. And I'm curious, what's that mentality like for you? with all these draft workouts and stuff like that, like how, how do you come into day one of the NBA? Um, I just try to do things um, that I know I'm good at and keep stay efficient, you know, and keep it simple for the most part, um, whether that's playing good defense, you know, taking the open shot, making the right pass, just making the right play. Honestly, you know, that's all I have to um, do like going into these workouts. I love it. And, you know, sometimes you're listed as a four, sometimes you're listed as a five. What position do you feel most comfortable at? And where do you feel you project, you know, at the NBA level position-wise? At the NBA level, I would feel more comfortable at the four, four spot. Um, I wouldn't mind playing the five either. You know, I project myself over time to be a, a true, like, four or five man. You know, either is fine. But um, I just feel like my game, you know, just like I was talking about before, since I just keep it simple and stuff, I think that would – I would fit the mold pretty well, and I can guard um, different positions pretty well. Yeah, talk to me a little bit more about your versatility defensively because I know that in today's NBA, big guys have to be able to guard the perimeter, and we see very little drop coverage. We see a lot of switching. Do you think that your game fits that style of play? I do agree. I agree my game fits that style of play very well. I think I'm very active on the defensive end, and I can switch up and guard guards pretty well. You know, one thing that I saw you described as – 
a great rim protector, but also able to hold your own on the perimeter against quicker players, has all the tools to thrive on the next level defensively. Is there a player in specific that you try and model your game off defensively? Yeah, so defensively, I look at, like, Nicholas Claxton. Yeah. I look at Drake Green, you know, and Bam Adebayo. I look at those guys, the way they play defense, you know. Um, Nick, I feel like his body build, you know, I have not the same, but I think we have some similarities. So I try to see, like, how he uses his body to defend. And then Draymond's IQ um, defensively, you know, is pretty cool, like, to see how he manages to guard, especially the pick-and-roll coverages. You know, and then you have Bam Adebayo, who's just – very aggressive, elite, very athletic. So I like to see some of the stuff he does as well. Yeah, I won't lie. When I was watching some of your film, I was like, I see a lot of Nick Claxton and Duran. I could really see that. And, you know, he plays the five quite a bit for, for the Nets. But I think that they he's a small five. And he's not, you know, like your Joel Embiid type of five where he's going to put his back to the basket and, and kind of that stuff. So I am curious, though, because I really enjoyed your breakdown with Sam Vecini looking at how you're reading defenses and how you're able to know which way to roll to the basket, you know, trying to survey help side def defense. Where do you think your basketball IQ has improved the most? Um, I feel like it's improved the most just the years of me playing the game, you know, um, just learning from different areas. Like when I was out here in high school, I learned a lot. And then when I went to college, you know, I learned a lot, especially with my mind, you know, mentally how to like, you know, do certain things. You're understanding why you're doing this. So, you know, I would say just going through like the years of playing like, has helped me with my IQ a lot. I try to understand a lot. You know, I've been doing a, a lot of research on you prior to this interview and scouts, the common theme is they love your motor, your physicality to finish around the rim and also get to the free throw line at a high rate, about seven attempts per game, you know, last year. What parts of your game do you think you focused on improving the most since the season ended? Since the season ended, I've really been working on a lot of stuff that like I would do in the game. So um, I feel like my three-point shot has gotten a lot better. You know, like I work on trail threes, corner threes, just simple stuff that I would do like off the pick and pop. You know, also just passing, you know, making reads off the like short roll, making good passes, you know, and then finishing. Like I got to continue to go get better with that. So, you know, just keeping it simple with those type, those type of things, you know. And obviously I – continue to try to stay in shape with my running. In terms of your projected draft spot, I mean, I've seen a lot of people say you're probably beginning of the second round, but do you feel like you're a first-round talent? Do you think teams are sleeping on you a little bit? Yeah, and yeah, I feel like teams definitely are sleeping on me. You know, I know a lot of players say that, you know, but it's just a lot because, you know, you have social media and everything. So it's like a team can't really understand your full game, you know, and how you would fit in their system. I think a lot of teams, they kind of like overlook how I would fit in their system because they're worried more about like, you know, the other things that look cool and stuff. But I don't know. I'm just I might just be talking, but I, that's my personal <laughs> thing. I think that, you know, I, I'm very good defensively and I bring a lot of intangibles to the table that people are going to miss out on. You know, some of those intangibles that you're speaking about that I do think gets overlooked is, Ron, you had 10 games last season with three or more assists. Do you feel that your passing ability gets overlooked due to perhaps maybe your dominance of the post or, you know, your rim, um, you know, defending? Yeah, I do feel like sometimes it gets overlooked, you know, because like you said, all the other things that, you know, people see, like the scoring and all that type of stuff. So um, it can be easy to overlook the passing part, but I think that's a big part of the game, especially today, being unselfish, being able to make the right play. So that's something I want to keep 
uh, developing in and driving. The team that drafts Deron Holmes, they're getting what in a player? Um, well, I I still haven't made the decision to stay or go back, like stay in college or go, go into the draft. But you know, if I were to stay, like the type of player they would get, like is a guy who works very hard. You know, who wants to make the right play. Who's going to be a great team player? You know, and all that type of stuff. You know, that's something that I was wondering because the May thirty first deadline is approaching. Whether you're going to stay in the draft or withdraw and return back to school because you obviously do have a few years of eligibility left. The last time we saw you on the court in college, 28 points, 16 rebounds, five blocks. Mm. You went one of one from three. Did you feel that if that was your last game, you definitely left it all on the court? Yeah, I felt like I tried to give it my all. You know, um, I felt like, you know, I just tried to win. You know, I was trying my best to win and just – just tried very hard that game, you know, so I definitely try to give him my all that game. If you if you don't stay in the draft, I'm just curious, and you go back to Dayton for another year, um, the, the transfer portal has just been crazy uh, the last couple of years, but I'm just curious, you know, what would another year of college do for you, and do you think that it could increase your draft stock? Yeah, I do believe it could increase my draft stock, you know, um, of playing. I feel like it could showcase some more things, you know, um, just with everything, you know, just as a whole overall player, you know, the development over there is very good as well at Dayton. So, you know, um, I feel like I can improve my stock. But the same thing, nothing's guaranteed, you know. So it's that's the part where you know it's kind of iffy. But, um, yeah, I do, but I do believe if I were to go back to school, then yeah, my stock could improve. And you know, sticking on on Dayton, from everything I was reading, you're the highest rated recruit in Dayton history. What was it that stood out about Dayton that really made you commit? Honestly, it was just the people there, the type of place it is. You know, um, the coaching staff is amazing. You know, the people there are amazing. Like, it's just a great place, positive energy, you know, for the most part throughout of Dayton. Um, like, it's just a great place. Like, you want to be around there, you know. It felt like it, it feels like you're in a family organization. Yeah, I mean, I know that family is very important to you because your mom was your basketball coach, and that's something I've heard you have to talk about a lot in interviews, and I didn't want to start off with that. But I am curious, you know, what's that relationship like with your mom being your basketball coach, and and what did she really teach you about the game that got you to fall in love with it so much? It's a great relationship, you know. Um, Back when she used to coach me, it was just basketball. I was playing it for fun. Like, I just like to be out there and run around, like, just shoot the ball. But, um. It's been great, you know, and I feel like I get my motor from playing under my mom. And, you know, my dad also, you know, it posts me on certain things, but mostly my mom. But, you know, just like the love that she had and the passion and energy she used to coach us with, like that really like pushed me a lot. You know, one of the uh, workouts that you had recently, ironically, is with your your uh, former teammate or, you know, teammate, we'll just say, Tumani Kamara over for the Portland Trailblazers. How did that workout go? And what's kind of this draft process been like for you from a workout standpoint? Um, that workout went pretty well, honestly. I did I felt like I did pretty good in that workout. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. And they like seeing all these different like facilities are great. Like being able to travel and see like the different teams' facilities are very nice, you know. So it's been fun. Like the whole process is very fun and it's very challenging, but it's good stuff. You know, I don't know why. But me and Tamani end up in a lot of workouts together. Like we've been, oh, we've been in two so far. So we uh, we've been in Brooklyn together, and we then we just recently were in Portland. I'm pretty sure that you know I'm going to see him again down the line sometime. You know, if I decide to stay in the draft. But yeah, that, I don't know why why it keeps 
going like that. I don't know if it's being planned or not, but yeah, we're in the same workout. So I keep seeing them every all the time. I love it. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we always we always highlight the good stuff, but I'm curious, is there an area of your game that you feel like, yeah, I really need to improve on this to become a better version of Deron Holmes? Um, Just anything, really, like anything that people are pointing out, you know, whoever's, you know, like where, where I can learn from. I just try to take little little things by little. Obviously, you know, I'm going to continue to work on my shot. You know, defensively, I know there's things I could work on. So I want to just continue to gain, like, wisdom from people that, you know, that know what they're talking about and just, you know, just keep adding little things to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned before, your passing ability definitely stood out to me. Your ability to get to the free throw line, I think if you can continue to build on that three-point shot, I think that would go a long way. You definitely did, you know, up the attempts this year. So very curious to see, you know, if you do return to college, you know, what we see uh, from, you know, the, the range type of standpoint. But one thing that I'm very interested, you always hear about these interviews, sometimes weird questions. Has there been any weird questions in an interview that's maybe stood out to you so far? Um, for me personally, I didn't have that many weird questions. Um, <laughs> I thought they were gonna ask some, but I didn't have too many weird. I've I have heard that like um some like other guys that were in the combine they had some very like tough questions to answer. But in my shoes, luckily I didn't have that yet. I haven't I haven't come across that yet. That's good. That's great. Uh, outside of basketball, what are some things that really interest you? Um, I like to just chill. Uh, I like to read books. Um. I watch a movie every here and there. I'm an introvert for the most part. So out here in like Arizona, um, it's just like the scenery is very nice. So I just sometimes I would be chilling outside and just relax, you know. But um Yeah. Do you have a I, you have a go to book? Uh favorite book? I fa- well, I read The Coffee Bean so far. That's been my favorite. Um, that was a nice book. I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, I liked it. All right. I'll I'll check it out. I'm I'm not familiar with that, but uh the coffee bean, I'll, I'll be I'm in the market for a new book, so I'll have to write that down. But you mentioned Arizona. Warm weather, fantastic. Is there a potential team that has cold weather that would throw you off? Or are you just like, hey, whatever team selects me, I'm going to give them my all. But, you know, maybe I don't want the cold weather too much. Yeah, um, I'm like whatever team, if, you know, I, if I decide to stay in, like, whatever team, like, you know, I would be with, I would just rock with it, you know. I've in Dayton – it's extremely cold sometimes and um, it could get cold enough to where it's like, you don't want to go outside. But at the same time, it's like, I got used to it. I'm even though I'm not from there, like I got used to it. And um, I was just like, you know, I got to accept it. So it's just like, I'm grateful forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now this is a Pacer centric podcast, but we, we do like trying to get different prospects on throughout this process to kind of get to know them better. And, you know, I'm just kind of curious because I feel like Isaiah Jackson is a leaper good rim protector he's got you know uh he's got a lot left in his game and he hasn't really got a great chance to showcase everything playing behind miles but uh what do you know about isaiah's game and is it comparative to yours i definitely see some similarities i feel like he's a little bit more athletic but Mm -hmm. um i feel like i see i see similarities especially our body builds um i like the way he plays plays very hard you know he can do it all pretty much like very versatile, very, he can catch lobs, he can shoot. I think he can defend pretty well. So it's pretty cool to see his game evolve. You know, we mentioned earlier, there are a lot of mock drafts that have you projected at just outside the first round. The Pacers do control the 32nd overall pick. You know, hey, if that's in, you know, if you're still there in that range, 
we got Tyrese Halliburton, one of the best young point guards in this game. Can you reflect, you know, mention about what it would mean to play with a true pass first point guard that's looking to get everybody involved? That's every big's dream, you know. Um, <laughs> dream, you know that that would be very nice. Honestly, it'd be a great, great, great situation. Yeah, I think y'all would cut it up quite a bit too. Uh, Tyrese is a funny guy for sure. That would be nice. Yeah. Uh, and look, this Pacers team—they're they're very young. The average age was about twenty-three years old. I don't know how much Indiana Pacer basketball you get to watch, but unfortunately, maybe not on national television as much as you'd like. But is there something about the Pacers that you know you you've watched, you liked, anything of that sort? Um, I just like how I feel like they're a very underrated team, you know, and they have very elite players on their team, obviously. But like, like just how underrated they are. I feel like they're going to be a very dangerous team, especially next year um, and years going on. But it's cool to see them like every now and then, you know, they got a very good team. Yeah, they did a good job of kind of pivoting from their previous era to building around Halliburton and trying to find the right pieces. Ben Matherin, also another guy that really had a good rookie. So you like Ben Matherin? Yeah, he's cool. Very good. Yeah, it, it was a fun year to watch him. So my last question for you, Duran, I don't want to hold you too much longer. Uh, What's the best advice that you've ever gotten? The best advice I've ever gotten is probably like, like work hard and everything else will come like with it. You know, just how you got to work hard. Though. That has to be your floor. You know, just working hard. You have you work hard in everything, and it's true because you know, as I've been working hard my whole life, like I'm starting to see like everything just comes with it. You guys got to keep. You got to keep going. You know. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, you know, my my uh, last question for you would be, look, every rookie's role expands as time goes on. But from a day one standpoint, what exactly do you feel that you would be ready to bring to an NBA team right away? I feel like I would bring very good energy, you know, a very good defensive mindset and offensive as well. But, like, I feel like I would just bring, like, a very good vibe to where I can play with uh, great players so I could play with anybody on the floor and just be a, a guy that you know is very like motivated and wants to give his all on the court and wants to win games I love it hey Durant I'm gonna be honest I'm, I'm a fan of your game I, there's, I watched a lot of film on you in preparation for this but you sold me in terms of just you know the energy that you're gonna be bringing but also the, the emphasis that you're putting on things defensively expanding that range everything of the sort I feel whatever team If you are to stay in the draft, whatever team selects you is going to be getting a great player, but also a great person on and off the court. I appreciate you guys so much, honestly. You know, best of luck to you guys, too. Yeah, man. uh, Whatever you decide to do, whether it's go into the draft this year or go back to Dayton, I'm just wanting you to know that we're rooting for you and we want you to succeed and have the best success you can have, man, for real. Thank you. So, honestly, it means a lot. Your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. 
world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.